On today's episode of Three Wide in the Middle, Keith and I take a look at the snooze fest that was the NASCAR All-Star Race at Texas, and we basically dive into reasons why it's gone bad, what NASCAR should do to fix it, and also the massive bonehead mistakes that were made at the end of the race involving the caution and Ryan Blaney's window net. After that, we talk about Kyle Larson's dominant performance at Attica, which led to our creation of our new segment, the three wide top 10 list, where today we kick it off with me and Keith's top 10 sprint car drivers of all time, which I'm sure is going to cause some controversy among all of the listeners out there. Finally, we wrap things up with Ask 3 Wide, which is actually a really simple story about how this podcast came to be in terms of its name. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Three Wide in the Middle. Me, Carlos Brandon, and my man Keith Bradman. Keith, what's going on, brother? Oh, not a whole lot. Just enjoying this rain-soaked day. Yeah, well, I was. I wish it was raining here, man. It's been freaking scorching hot out here in California. Yesterday, it was like 105, and of course, I had to be outside for my son's baseball game, just sweating. So, yeah, it was was not fun. Yeah, it makes me makes me happy that we're. I mean, I can't say that we're in cooler weather because we're not. It, it's equally as hot here. Yeah. And, and then you add in the humidity and it's it's tough on a fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Man, I remember there was a couple of guys. That, oh, I mean, obviously there was a bunch of overweight guys that when I was at the racetrack every weekend. But that was one of the things that a couple of Rod and Rock and uh, Terry that always say they'd be like, oh, my God, it's so hot out here. It's even worse for a fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brutal. It is brutal. Like if I could get back to my racing weight. I'd be oh, awesome. dude. I I'll ever get that. I've been I've been fortunate. I am one of the few people um that I know that I am actually smaller now than when I was in high school. Now, keep in mind there's there's a caveat to that though so when i was in high school right like i was i was built like very built so i am five foot seven on a good day okay like i used to tell people i was five foot eight when i wore my three quarter inch spikes right like for for a football Same. game yeah exactly <laughs> so you know and i my family all right like we are all like really stocky and really solid built like my father um vince he was like a state arm wrestling champ right like in high school and stuff like that you know like that's the like that's how my family is and we all are kind of the same in the sense that like we all hit puberty you know when we were like 10 like i had a mustache when i was like 10 years old and you know like and back then that wasn't normal you know like now it's kind of normal but back then that wasn't normal for kids to be you know hitting puberty at such a young age and so i started actually 
lifting weights. When I was probably like 11 or 12 years old, my doctor was like, you could actually lift weights now. Um, he's like, just don't overdo it. And he just kind of gave me a list of one, of exercises not to do because of your joints. He's like, stay away from squats, stay away from, you know, this, this, you know, until you're at least, you know, 15 or 16. So I was like, okay. So by the time I got to high school, right, by the time I was like 14, 15 years old, I got to high school, I was, you know, bench pressing 200 pounds, you know, I was running all the time, like I was in phenomenal shape, you know, in high school, my going into my junior year before I blew out my knee, I could bench press like 330 pounds, and I could squat like 440, like I was like literally solid muscle. And then I blew out my knee. And so back then I was about 175 pounds, a lot more muscle. Now I'm like a soft 155. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I'm actually a lot smaller now, but it's just not as good. So I've actually, the last, I started going back to the gym a couple of months ago, man. And it's been, I, you know, you don't realize how long ago high school was for you until you start trying to do stuff you used to do in high school. And then you're like, Oh God dang, dude, it's been a long time. Like to me, I think I'm like, Oh God, it wasn't that long ago. I was in shape. And, and then I started doing stuff and it's like, actually, no, that was two decades ago. <laughs> like it was a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, and I wish I could do some of the stuff I did in high school now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd probably blow a knee out now. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, I'm I'm actually fortunate in that. But it but anyway, so interesting uh weekend last weekend on the race in front. A couple of things we got to cover today. Um and we are going to be busting out a new segment an idea that I actually came up with. Um for me and Keith to do here on the pod, the three wide top 10 list. And so we're going to dive into our top 10 sprint car drivers of all time. So we're going to do that here in just a little bit. But before we do that, and before we cover the actual sprint car race at Attica, which kind of launched that idea for me, we got to talk about the drama that came out of the NASCAR all-star race at Texas. Because first of all, if you watch the race, it was not good um that that was the first race worst. that i saw them on a mile and a half track where the racing sucked that was the first worst time i've seen that of the year it was bad you know i mean just the only Terrible. thing that you can say is thank god it wasn't a points race but then at the same time the all-star race is supposed to be one of the best races of this of the year right like it you know when i always think back to the you know the old school you know, back then they called it the, you know the winston right but when i think about the 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 all-star race and stuff like that those were some of the best races right you think about and i was a little kid so i i i remember this more from watching you know highlights and youtube clips but you think about like earnhardt's pass in the grass or when Earnhardt and Daryl Waltrip, you know, Earnhardt busts his ass when they were trying to win, you know, that race and uh, with uh, Jeff Gordon when the three of them were up front or Dale Earnhardt Jr. coming out and dominating at his rookie season, right? Like you think of some of those types of races and there's been phenomenal all-star races and this one was horrid. It was so, Terrible. so bad. Yeah. And I don't know why. I that's why, the thing. Well, I, do, I don't. I think I do know why, but 
Well, what's your theory on why? Texas Motor Speedway, ever since they reconfigured it. Yes, I, I'm has with you. Been that track sucks. There's nothing that you can say to no. convince me that they have made that track better. Turn one and two is one of the worst corners I've ever seen in all of racing. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And yeah. it is the most deceiving corner I've ever seen on a racetrack. Because when you look at one and two, right? And you start looking at it in comparison to other tracks that are similar in terms of you've got these wide banked turns normally we would look at that right you look at something like kansas for example where we were at the week before right you got this wide bank track man the racing there was phenomenal you go to texas and you got this big wide sweeping corner and you're like oh my god it's going to be incredible and it's horrible it's absolutely horrible uh and and i think what makes it worse is you have a place like texas I used to love Texas, the old layout. Yes, the uh, old I Texas. On, I thought it put on great racing. Now, when you look at it, it's like, dang, they got like a hundred foot to mm -hmm. use in the, uh, probably more than a hundred foot to use in turn one, and they might use ten foot of it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So terrible. Like yep. I think Denny Hamlin said it best the other day on Dale Junior's podcast. They asked him what he could, if he could, what would he do to it, and his first words were bulldoze it. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, the it's original bad. Texas layout I enjoyed much better. I know the initial build was really tough. There, you know, there was a couple of spots. You know, I, you know, exit of turn two. You know, the walls came up really fast on a couple of the corners, and they fixed that. And what they had before, I really liked. The, I've always said for the last oh man, that's been probably ten years now. There's only, you know, there was two IndyCar races every single year that I watched without fail. It was religious, no no matter what. Even if I didn't know who the drivers were anymore, I always watched the Indy 500 and the race at Texas because the, yep. the Texas Speedway, with when they before they turned it into whatever the hell it is now, was one of the, not just IndyCar races, one of the best races of the year. It was incredible. And now... It sucks, and they have tried by putting that crap right. That that PJ one is a joke. Uh, stuff it, sucks. Texas. You know they've what, tried with that stuff, and it doesn't work. What don't make any sense to me is they use the PJ one there, and they put it way far away from the racing groove. Like I don't even think I've seen any guys using it in the All Star race. No, uh, -uh. and it it's asinine why they continue to use it and. I didn't realize this till hearing it, but that PJ1 ruins a track surface. Yes, didn't I've actually that. heard that before. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know if it was true or not, but I've heard that before, that it'll actually mess up the surface. Um, one of the guys was talking about that I saw, and this was, it was a YouTube video a while ago. This was probably the video was probably from two or three years ago, um, but he was talking about that stuff. And the way that he made it sound was is he made it sound almost like a drug where um, if you start using that stuff, it can mess up the surface and make it to where you have to now use it for the surface to be viable. That type of thing. Well, well and it makes me think back to uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. 
Now mm-hmm. they consistently use it there. Yep. And it kind of makes sense now. Yep. Exactly. And, and I wish we could go back in the era of racing or NASCAR before the PJ one, because I thought the racing was better. Why why would you want to put sticky stuff down on the racetrack for more grip when we're trying to make these cars harder to drive? Yeah. Yeah, especially it with just, this next gen car, because that's one of the like beautiful the, things about it. Yeah. And I think without the PJ one it'd be even better. I mean, I could be totally wrong. I could be completely wrong. But it's like, all right, we're going to make the cars hard to drive, but we're going to use this PJ1 at every racetrack. So we took 10 steps forward, and I look at it as, all right, now you just took 10 steps back because you're trying to take grip out of the car, but you're putting it right back in the track. Yep, exactly. And And, and and it's just, yeah, it's not helping. And I'm with you. Like, I've always loved watching the All-Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. I remember yep. when it was a whole week, you yep. you got to watch the pit crews at yep. their deal. Yeah. And then the qualifying this year sucked, I think. Yep. I mean, yeah. you didn't, you didn't give the fastest car the pole, which yeah. I mean, it is what it is. They're doing it all for TV ratings now. They are. They are. I, I just wish they never would have taken it away from Charlotte. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that see that was that's where I'm at too. It was it to me it it was always best in Charlotte. You know, I don't I I didn't think there was a, a reason to change it because it kicked off. It wasn't just, you know, the All-Star race wasn't its own thing, right? Like that was the whole the whole um that was the best part about it was the all-star week right it kicked off this whole you know it it was a an event to where it was like dude we've got the all-star week right like you said they've got the pit crew challenge and the qualifying and all that stuff like that you've got the open then you run the winston and then it's the next weekend right what it's it's right after it's the next weekend you get to see who's doing who's good at at charlotte before they run the coke 600 it's you've also got obviously indy 500 it's memorial day weekend right like it was this whole kickoff and it was so um perfect to just have it at charlotte right like that's where it always been like you said if it ain't broke don't fix it to me it was one of the few good things that had actually still maintained um that or at least that i I should say that i still enjoyed through all these years and now they're moving it to different tracks and trying stuff. And I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just, I don't like it. And, and if you're going to move it to another track and you choose Texas, like I just, that would be like major league baseball saying, Hey man, this year we're going to play the all-star game at a double a field, right? At a minor league yeah. baseball field. It's like, why are you doing that? I get it. Texas motor speedway is a big, it, it's a big deal. It's, it's on the schedule. I got it. But the racing there sucks. You know, it sucks. The drivers don't like it, right? They, they haven't liked it since you did this to it, you know? And it's, it was just really, really bad. The racing was not good. It was a snooze fest. Um, and, it just all in all, it was just a bad weekend for for NASCAR. And you know, I remember back in the past when the All Star Race was a big deal to NASCAR. Yeah, like guys were racing to win, and they were racing hard to win so they can punch yes. their ticket to the All Star Race because it was a prestigious deal. Yes, and now 
we have 26 cars in an all-star race. Yes, and that's the problem. That, and and then, it, that's what ruined the all-star race. And, and then the open, like I like the open race. It makes it very interesting because mm-hmm. there's, some, there's some guys that could, I mean, we've seen it this weekend. But we allow five to come out of that plus a fan vote. Yes, and that was, that was you know, what made the all-star race special back before they started doing all this crap where they started adding, you know, it was the way that you got in was you had to win a race period point blank end of story. It was just like what the bud shootout used to be where it was like, no, 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 it's not all these extra things. It's not all these extra crap, you know, these provisionals and, and Oh, this and this and this. And now you've got 28 of the 34 cars in there. No, it was, you sat on the pole and that's how you got into the bud shootout. That was the exclusivity factor in it, right? Now, if you want to keep past winners of it in there, I'm cool with I, that. I'm fine with that. Yes. But when it started to become you and you could see that it was a real reach where you're watching the all-star race and you're, and I don't want to drop anybody's names because that would be rude, but you're like, how the hell is that dude in the all-star race? He ain't, he, yeah. wh- how did he make it? Right. Did he win the open? No. Okay. He just made it like, what's the deal? And that's like, to me was w- when the all-star race started to get bad. If, if I could have it my way with the all-star race, if, Say Michael McDowell, because he was in it this year mm-hmm. and won the Daytona 500 last year. Yep. I I think I wish they'd go back to the old way. Like if somebody won recently, and say Michael McDowell's the only one there that hasn't won in a minute. Yeah. But he's in there. Well, it should bump him out. Yes. Now I'm cool with maybe allowing all the past winners to be in it. Yes. Because they earned it, they they won it, or even mm-hmm. past champions. But now they allow, what is it? The playoff drivers are allowed to be in it. Yes, it's everybody. It's it literally everybody. Make, it don't make any sense. It's like the All Star game in, like you said, in Major League Baseball. But them saying, "All right, every team can have five players in it." Yes, it's no, what it it's what the pro. Way. Yeah, it's what the Pro Bowl is in the NFL. You're like, oh, a, well, this guy's a Pro a Bowl quarterback. Game. It's like, yeah. well, no, he's only a Pro Bowl quarterback because the seven people choose before him are like, I don't want to play. Like, that's that's not making the Pro Bowl. You're yeah. playing in the game, but you're not a Pro Bowler. And that's what the All-Star Race has become. It's like, oh, I'm and in it, the All-Star Race. And it's like, yeah, you're running it, but you're not an All-Star. You're not one of the All-Stars. And that's what it should be. And it should and, go back to like, you said, like we were talking about, where... You have to have won a race in the last 12 months, right? From all-star race to all-star race, right? Like that, do it like that. It's really simple. Easy. It's too easy. And it just, like like Denny Hamlin was saying, the all-star race don't pay like it does anymore. No. It it may say a million dollars, but when it comes down to it, it's not. The Daytona 500 pays more. So why would you want to go race in a race that pays less than the Daytona 500? Yes, and that was the thing. That was always what made the All-Star Race special. It was strictly money. That was why you're going to go out there and push it to the max because points don't matter. You are there to win it because you want that purse. You want that prize money. And he even broke it down to prices like the Clash this year. Mm -hmm. 2311 made 60 grand off the Clash from both cars. Destroyed both cars and then had fifty thousand dollars worth of damage on both cars. So, yep. is it really worth it? 
Yeah. No, it's not. But NASCAR holds this big key, and they force everybody that's running for points to show up to this event. Like, I think it's so dumb to make these guys travel halfway across the country to Texas Motor Speedway, run such a shit show of a race. Yeah. And it's just, I, I think it's all for viewership, really. It's yes. all TV now. It is, it is. And that's why you have the extended um, way for all these other drivers to get in because the more sponsorships that they can be on screen, the more money. And it's that's all it is. It's all yeah. purely driven by, by, gimmick. by money. Yeah, so. It's like so, watching yeah. the NBA All-Star game and no defense and all offense. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So the racing was horrible. But on top of that, there was a big controversy at the end of the race. So for those of you who were not watching um, or maybe you had fallen asleep before the checkered flag fell, Ryan Blaney was leading, basically dominating. Um, he had been pretty much the car to beat. And he's coming to the checkered flag and he could not have been more than 50 feet away no and <laughs> caution comes out now he actually crosses the checkered flag and he does what every other driver does when they win pulls his window net down well the problem was the caution had actually come out right before he crossed the line and because this is a special event right if you look at um a regular points race What's the rule, right? Well, the rule is is once they take the yellow, once they take the white flag, it's that's it. You're locked in. The race is done. You get green, white checkers before that, but once they take the white flag, from if I'm remembering this correctly, from my understanding, then it's that's it. It's locked in. Race is done. Yep. Okay. But because this is a special event, that's not the case, and so now they're going to be doing a green, white checkered, and Blaney is trying to get his window net up while he's now got to actually restart this race on the pole and try to win it. Now, he did not get his window net up. He got it, I I guess, partially up, kind of up. Like, it's, 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 it's kind of hooked up on one side. The other side's not. And what, were your, what was that? From what I heard, he had it latched, but the bar that slides into... Mm -hmm. A slot was out. Yes, yes, it was not up. It was not up properly. Keep in mind, and this and this is where all the the blowback is coming from, right? If this had been a race, right, had NASCAR not just screwed up, if it was any other situation or circumstance, Blaney would not be allowed to run. He would be black flagged. He would have to come to the pits to fix it. Right, you you wouldn't be allowed to run like that. They they wouldn't allow it, okay? Because that's a safety issue. Now, what NASCAR did, and this is what really drove me nuts about it, is first of all, NASCAR screwed up by throwing the caution, and NASCAR has gotten into this cycle right now where it seems like they just cannot wait to throw a caution. I don't know what it is. It's like, let the race play out. I get it. There are some races, man, where guys just dominate, okay? And it's 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 not that exciting. But you know what? Don't throw a caution to bunch them back up to try to force action. Like, I can't stand that. 
You know what I mean? Like that I remember, was a desperation move by yes. whoever was in race control. Yes, you know. And so they got this caution. They shouldn't have had one. The race should have been over. So now they're they're coming. They're they're restarting. Blaney's leading the pack. He doesn't have his window net up. He ends up winning, which he should have won. He should have got the win, but his window net wasn't secured properly, and now it's a big deal. And NASCAR makes a mistake by trying to fix their mistake. And this is a big and, problem. And, you know, at least NASCAR came out and said, ah, oh, we messed up. But here, here's my issue with the whole thing. All season, they've been preaching safety. Exactly. Safety, safety, safety with this new car. Now, remember back in the day, Jerry Nadeau, career-ending injury at Richmond. Mm-hmm. Driver's side impact. Now, I'm not saying that could have happened to Ron, but it could have. It could have happened to Blaney. Absolutely. You know, with the window partially down, you, you're at, you're keeping yourself at risk. Well, not I, only that, it, think about the situation. They're going to agree. It's a green-white checkered finish for the all-star race, right? Yeah. It might not pay as much as it used to, but it's still a lot of money. If there was a time where everyone's going to be aggressive and there's a potential for a wreck, it's that's be the then. time. Yes. Especially going down into three. At a hundred and uh, what was it? One hundred and eighty-five miles an hour. Yeah. Now, if you get turned, and you hit driver's side against the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the the window net was. We're gonna say there, but not there. I don't think it should have been allowed. I think he should have been black flagged. But now you got a big safety concern. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And, exactly. and I don't. I don't fault Ryan for it. I do, but I don't because the race should have been over. There mm-hmm. should have never been a yellow. I mean, let's be honest. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is in the back of the pack, so he wasn't in nobody's way. No. He was and, still rolling. Yep. And, I mean, look how many There wasn't any debris flying or anything like that. Right, right. And and my, my issue with it is how many times this year have we seen a single car smack the wall and not a yellow come out? Yes, blow a tire, and yeah. they pull down the track, right? So, yeah, that's – I'm with you. It, it, it's happened so much that the caution should never have come out. Now, I mean, here's if- the thing. And like I said, where everyone is saying where well, the whole window net thing and people, you know, and I understand the argument and you're right. Right. Because here's my thing. Be consistent with the rules because yeah. when you're not consistent, what does that do? That causes problems that leads to gray area. And we know what kind of issues that can happen. What can happen from that, right? Just take a look at what happened with the end of the F1 season last year with Verstappen and Hamilton, right? You had an inconsistent call and look at the fallout that came from that. It's the same type of thing. This is a small incident, right? You're talking about something really small, but it doesn't matter because when there's inconsistencies, it opens the door for gray area. And when you have gray area, area now you have wiggle room and what nascar should have done is they should have just said hey we're gonna do a green white checkered ryan blaney dropped his window net down because the race he thought the race was over it should have been over that was our mistake on the caution he's gonna be allowed to come down and fix his window net and that's it they should have just done that and been done been and just moved on they 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 paced for almost six laps allowing ryan to fix it yes and yeah. and he, he wears these highlighter yellow gloves dead oh giveaway. my god dude they... you could just see him holding the window net up even when they were coming to green and then he finally put his hand down it just blew me away like we allow 
races to finish under green at Daytona when big crashes happen in the middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. But we're yep. going to pull this stuff at Texas. Yep. Makes On no the all-star race. Yep. So makes no sense at all. It just puts every puts everybody in in jeopardy. And then you let a guy run around with this window net partially connected. I just yep. it it tells me, all right, we can go into Charlotte and if your window net falls, it falls. Try to fix it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're right. So And and there's just no way that Ryan could have done it himself because the window nets are so tight. Well, not There's only that, why there, it takes crew two crew guys to put a window net up. Exactly, and when you and when you look at um, how those guys are strapped in, it's not like he can bring his right arm over to help. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you, dude, you're not reaching across your body. Like, dude, you are strapped in. When if you've never seen the inside of a race car nowadays, like you cannot move. There's a reason why. Exactly. But there's a reason why in cup racing, you know, you've got to have a spotter. It's because you can't turn your head. Like, you literally can't look left or right. Your peripheral vision is what you can do with your eyes. The amount of movement that you have with your head is so small. And the fact that you the think that you're going to be able to bring your other arm over there and help lift up this window net, like you said, which is super tight. I mean, it's it is super tight. Is it's just not going to happen. So yeah, NASCAR should have just brought him down. They should have had the crew fix the window net and sent him back out on the track. It could have been very easy to do, right? It's not like he's going to come down and get tires or something, right? They could it could have been a very easy thing to just do and fix and move on. And of course, they didn't, and we're in the situation they that we're in the now. They time. did, and, it, and the worst part about it is, is they just didn't admit that they dropped the ball, and that's and it, a, that's the worst part about it. And I wouldn't worry so much about it if the racing was good. Yes. If the racing wasn't good. None of it was good. Yes. Not even the open. No. And that's what makes me, that's what angers me, or I shouldn't say angers me. That's what frustrates me more. Because the racing wasn't good, it just makes that seem like even more of a desperation to try and salvage something that wasn't they, salvageable. They, Just take the loss, man. It wasn't a, it wasn't yeah. an exciting race. Take, Fine. Take the L on the chest and go home. And and move on. Exactly. Cuz you're going to have races like that. Dude, we, we all of us that have been to races, and I don't care if if you've been to a NASCAR race, an NHR drag race, what Outlaws or your local dirt track watching bombers on a Friday night. We have all been to those races where we've just been like, God, that wasn't very good tonight. Like, dude, so-and-so just got out front and there wasn't a lot of passing. The track was one groove. It kind of sucked tonight. Like, dude, that happens. Now, yeah. I understand when it's a cup race, right? We try to we try to not have that because most people, right? Like, the, the people who were at that all-star race this last weekend, that might be the only cup race they can ever go to so i get it i understand you're trying to make it the best possible but also as race fans okay any real race fan understands that there's zero guarantee that you're going to get that exciting fun race that you're hoping for all because that's all you can do is hope for it there's no guarantee it's going to happen I mean, it's just sad that the most exciting thing that happened in that whole race was the incredible crash between chastain and kyle bush yes and, yes. and that's sad. It's sad that a crash is the most exciting thing that happened the whole yep. weekend. Yep. And and, and the, well, the worst part about it is, is I do think Chastain would have made the race more exciting at the end because he, oh, he was fast. He was fast. He was really fast. I mean, Kyle was really fast too. Yeah, he was. I, 
I was dead set that if Kyle did blow a tire, he probably would have won that race because there was n- there was little to no passing. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of the Martinsville race. It was yep. terrible. Yep. So, so yeah, rough, rough weekend for NASCAR. But hopefully next week the Coca Cola Six Hundred. Hopefully it will be a lot better because, like I said, that was the first mile and a half race that has been disappointing because every other mile and a half race has been phenomenal and i think it has far more to do with texas like that i think it's a i think that is a texas problem in my opinion and hopefully i'm right hopefully next week at charlotte is much better because next weekend is one of my i keep saying next weekend it's this weekend this weekend is one of my favorite weekends of the year for racing. Oh, mine too. I I love it. I love getting up in the morning, watching the Indy 500, and then watching the Coke 600. I love it. And I think what I like, or what I love more about it now is, you get the Indy 500, then you get the the double, you get Mm -hmm. the non-wing sprint cars at Kokomo, then you get the Coke 600. Now it'd be kind of hard to watch the sprint car race and the NASCAR race at the same time. Yes. But I mean, it's the greatest weekend of racing. Cause I mean, you get to go from one type of car to the next and yeah. all in the same day. And it's, it's awesome. Yep. It is. It is. And, so. and speaking of, speaking of um, snooze fests and we have a potential to see one at Charlotte. We do. I mean, look, what was it? A couple of years ago, Martin Truex Jr. led almost every lap, but four of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, we could see it again. I don't think we will because the new car has been pretty good, and we're going to a better track in yeah. Texas. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what it does at Charlotte, though. Yeah, me too. Me too. So hopefully, it's a lot better. So that was unfortunate for the nascar racing side of things but we did have some very good racing this last weekend with the outlaws uh and i'm trying to get my thing up here because i want to make sure i got my final uh results correct so we had on, bu- 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 yes, last weekend, uh, Attica, Kyle Larson, for those of you who watched the race, put on an absolute clinic at Attica. Um, literally just dominated the race. Uh, there was not, not, not at one point did he give up the lead in that 40 lap race. Um, he just dominated. Now, here's the thing. Although he was just out front smashing everybody, there was a lot of really good racing going on behind him. Uh, Carson Macedo, once again, with another podium, finished second. No surprise. Yeah, finished second. (laughs) And then um, James McFadden had a really good night bringing home um, third, which was a very impressive, impressive run. Now, what was really interesting was you basically had the entire um uh contenders for the points were in the top i think top five or six like they were all right there battling hodden shield was there 
Larson or not Larson, uh, Sweet was there, Macedo was there. So it was some really good racing at Attica. And like I said, Larson just dominated that race. Now, did you happen to see any of that, Keith? Um, no, unfortunately, I did not. Yeah, it was a it was an incredible race, man. Um, Attica's always been one of those tracks I really like. I love Attica. Yeah, I got to give a big shout out to the um, Ohio dirt fans. Like you know, there there's something about I don't know what it is, but you there's there's very few places that I can watch a race on TV, you know, streaming whatever that I can know like the state. You know what I mean? Like I when I watch a race that's in Pennsylvania, Indiana, or Ohio, like I know it's one of those places, right? Like the racing there is just different. Right? As good as it is out, as great as it is out here in California, California sprint car fans are nothing like Ohio, PA, or Indiana. They're just not. And we're built different. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it was really cool. And the fans there seemed to just go bonkers. I mean, obviously it's Kyle Larson, so that's that's cool in itself, but they just seemed to go bonkers. It was it was just a really cool race, man. It seemed like an awesome atmosphere. And Attica's always been one of those that's one of the more I guess you would call it obscure tracks that's on my bucket list. You know, I mean, because everybody obviously, you know, when you think about where you would want to go see a race. Obviously, people say stuff like Knoxville or Eldora, right? Like you think of the big historic tracks, right? Like these really special ones, these historic ones. But for me, I have a bunch of tracks that I want to go check out that are, like I said, more obscure, right? The ones that people might not think of. And Attica is one of them. I've always wanted to go to Attica. And 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 I agree. Like it's been a long time since I've been to Attica. So I'd love to go back and, and there's two more tracks in Ohio that I'd love to go to and at Fremont and Sharon, mm-hmm. for some reason, those three racetracks in Ohio, other than Eldora, I'm not going to count Eldora because yeah. it's, I mean, it's Eldora. Yeah, exactly. Those three tracks put on some of the best races, whether it's a non-wing sprint car mm-hmm. or a wing sprint car. Yep. Yep, and they really do. I say I'm spoiled in Indiana, and I'm sure the Ohio people say the same thing because they got Attica, Sharon, and and even Lima. Lima's another yeah. place. Lima Land, man. You know, that's another phenomenal track, dude. It's There's a lot of them. State. It really is. It really is. You know, we talked about this before where you could essentially race for a living back there in the ohio area right like where you could just hit ohio indiana and you don't have to be an outlaw or an all-star you know what i mean because there's so many tracks and there's so there's so many good tracks that draw legitimate fans to it right it's not just the driver's family members who are there like your most like most your local dirt tracks right like it's just people who love racing and they're going to be out there every weekend and ohio's got some great tracks man if they're one of the biggest kind of disappointments that I never got to do and we had talked about doing and we never ended up doing was we were going to go back one year and we were going to hit the this like the speed weeks the sprint week and stuff like that so we were going to go back and do Indiana midget week we we're going to do Pennsylvania you know we were going to go hit Ohio 
And I was so looking forward to that. And we never made it back there for that, man. And it, it, it's a bummer because you can go back there and find racing like just all over the place and at any night of the week, you know what I mean? Like it's it's just incredible. And it's just getting better. Yes, absolutely. Continue to get better because the competition's getting better and, Mm -hmm. and the racing's getting better. And, and my biggest takeaway from, from Attica's Carson Macedo, the consistency yep. is still there. It is, man. It is. Now, luckily for Brad Sweet, he also had a really good finish. So your top five was Carson, Kyle Larson, Carson Macedo, James McFadden, Sheldon Hoddenshield, Brad Sweet. And then in sixth place, it was Jake, uh, Jacob Allen, who another and, awesome finish. He's he came from guy like coming on strong. Yeah, dude, he came from was it nineteenth? Wow, or something like that. I think he came from nineteenth. Yeah, so he came from nineteenth, and here's the crazy thing: he wasn't even the hard charger. The hard charger was Greg Wilson, who passed fourteen cars. Jacob Allen only passed thirteen, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, so Jacob Allen, and then uh, Donnie Shots and Logan Schuhart, and basically those are all your top guys in points. Where Brad Sweet's, in, you know, you got Brad Sweet, Carson Macedo, David Gravel. Gravel had a a tough weekend. David Gravel did have a tough weekend. He had some he had some issues, unfortunately. But then Sheldon Hoddenshield and Logan Schuhart. And your top five are still separated by less than 100 points. Schuhart's in fifth. He's only 92 points back. Macedo's only 38 points back. He keeps chipping away if, at that lead. If Brad Sweet's not careful. Mm-hmm. One bad weekend. Some, yeah. One bad weekend, and if you can't rebound the following weekend, you you could be in a bad spot because yep. Carson Cedar's got that wick lit. Yes, he does. He's got the fire right under Brad's ass. And yes, he's like, he hey, does. I'm here. Exactly. And unfortunately, David and Sheldon Hoddenshield's right there. And, yep. and, and even Logan Schuhart, because anything could happen. Oh, we still yeah. Have shoot we got 70 races left yeah uh, yeah man we're we're not even we're not even into the summer yet you know what i mean so so yeah we still got a long ways to go but and and if if i'm carson macedo and and jason johnson racing i'm patting myself on the back because this is the strongest start that i've seen from that 41 camp in a very long time oh like ever like they don't start strong normally no they never have and i don't think and and I'm not even sure what they they're doing different, but whatever they're doing, I wouldn't stop doing it. No, uh, uh-uh. uh, because yeah. it's usually about the time now, coming into the summer months, where Carson starts to get a little more consistent. Now, if he could stay like this, could have a new champion. Yes, we could. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, um, it'll be it, it'll be interesting to see you know what what plays out. I mean, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the season so far i mean as as most of you guys yes and i think this is sorry uh, no i was just gonna say and i think it's gonna continue that way i think it's gonna be tight throughout the rest of the year i think this has been the most exciting outlaw season that i could think of in In terms of the start yeah you know in terms of the start i really do think so i really do think so yeah so It'll be interesting to see if we can continue it because, yeah, we've been pretty spoiled this year in the Outlaws. But speaking of which, Kyle Larson's dominance at this track when I was watching it had me thinking. And 
one of the things that I was sitting there thinking, because um, keep in mind, I, you know, I, those of you guys who know, I am a professional sim racer. That's what I do for a living is I sim race, believe it or not. And I will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I will usually okay. work from 3 a.m. till about when my son has baseball, 5 p.m. When he doesn't have baseball, 8 p.m. So I spend a lot of time at my computer desk, right? Now I do go to the gym for a couple hours in the morning. Like I'm not just sitting here stationary for, you know, 18 straight hours. I do get up and move around, but I'm here working a lot, right? And a lot of times I'll be watching the race, watching a replay of the race while I'm doing other stuff and working on stuff and things like that. Well, when I was watching the Attica race, I just happened to be kind of thinking i was like god you know i was just amazed at kyle larson okay and uh, obviously you guys know i have my biases towards him um, him being from california me me <laughs> me racing against him as a you know when he was a kid and him kicking my ass when i was in high school and he was like 12 and um, i know the feeling there yeah, exactly you know <laughs> and so i just started thinking i was like god dang man if he did this all the time if he just ran sprint cars he would be one of the greats and then I thought, well, God, he might be one of the greats anyways. And then I thought, well, let's figure this out. And so I sent Keith a message and I was like, hey, man, Thursday's pod. We're doing top 10. I initially said top 10 dirt drivers. Now, that was a mistake because when you start thinking about midgets, late models, sprint cars, silver crown, you know, what I mean, when you start modifieds, I mean, that that can be very tough. And so we narrowed it down to sprint car drivers. And so we're going to go over our top 10 sprint car drivers. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of give you guys my criteria, Keith, you can go over your list first, but I'll kind of give you guys my criteria because I want you guys to understand this is our top 10 list. This isn't, it's not like, okay, the, the best 10 statistical drivers or the 10 with the most championships or the 10 we just, you know, that we rooted for the best, right? It's just who we believe our top 10 drivers are in sprint cars. That's both winged and non-winged sprint car drivers. Okay. So that's how we did this. All right. So for example, I shouldn't say for example, but as for instance, there's probably going to be a lot of you that I are that are pissed off that I don't have more PA posse drivers on my list. But I'm for, just going to throw it out there. I don't have any on mine. Exactly. So bring the for, heat. Exactly. But <laughs> one of the reasons I don't is because I didn't grow up watching PA posse drivers. Right. I didn't get to see them. One of my criteria was I had to I had to actually be able to watch these drivers or watch them you know, not just in person, but on TV. And if I didn't actually see them, if they were kind of before my time, there had to be a reverence with them, right? So one of the drivers on my list that I'll talk about, I vaguely, I, I think I saw him one time at the Gold Cup and I was super young. But when all of my friends' parents talked about him, there was a reverence for him. And obviously I grew up knowing who he was and I would I watched his stuff later in replays and stuff like that. And so I think he's one of the best, right? So that's kind of as an example, okay? So that's that's why, how I came up with mine. Now, Keith's going to tell us how he came up with his and his 10 drivers, all right? But that's what we're doing here. And we're going to do more of these. So if you guys, I'm sure you guys have your lists or your comments or anything like that, go ahead. 
send them in, bring them in, yeah, comment. Share yeah, share them. Send us an email at three wide, uh, three wide, ask three wide at gmail.com. You can just use the ask one. All right. And we'll talk about it because like I said, this is super subjective and you can, it's subjective of any sport, right? I mean, a great example is golf. You know, if you, you're going to listen to some people and they're going to say Jack Nicholas is the greatest golfer of all time because he has the most major wins. Well, okay. That's an argument. You could also make the argument that Tiger Woods is the greatest because although he doesn't have the most majors, he, there was no more, there was no golfer that was more dominant than him for a period of time where the man showed up and it was literally who's playing for second, right? That's a level of dominance that you rarely see in a sport. So there's always going to be multiple arguments. Okay. So we understand that. All right. So just know that these are our lists. Okay. So now that all being said, Keith, Let's hear your list. Oh, boy. So I'm going to start from 10. Okay. And and I've been switching back and forth with my 10th person, my 10th driver. And my, my list is based off s- similar stuff to yours. Okay. I've got some guys that I've watched. I've got some guys that. I didn't necessarily get to watch in person, but got to listen to my dad and my grandpa talk about. Yes. From when they were younger. And it, one of them is my dad's hero. And my 10th driver is AJ Foyt. Uh, That's a good one. That's a really good one. (laughs) AJ Foyt was a badass back in the day. He, He was the 60s version of Tony Stewart, Kyle Larson. Mm-hmm. he's a USAC champion whether it be sprint cars champ car USAC stock car champion silver crown I mean if if you to me when I think of Indiana sprint car racing AJ Foyt just a, it immediately pops to mind yes yeah absolutely he's 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 on every you can look at the best drivers of all time right and you're yeah. talking about the Fangios and Schumachers, you know, the Earnhardts and Petties, and you're going to see A.J. Foyt. So absolutely. And, and back in his time, to get to the Indianapolis 500, it was to go through USAC, it was to go mm-hmm. through sprint car racing, and he paved that way for many people behind him. Yes. And that, that's why I got him at 10. All right. So at 8. Who do you have at number 9? Or 9. Jeezel Pete, sorry. <laughs> long night, long morning. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, at nine, I have a guy that I actually raced with, got to know, got to be pretty good friends with up till he passed away. And unfortunately, he passed away at a young age, is Jesse Hockett. Oh. This one's it's pretty soft with me because I talked to him the last time he won an on-wing race before he passed away, I was actually talking to him in the pits and we were, we were just shooting the shit. And he was the, the outlaw before there was an outlaw that time, because he was the Mm -hmm. only one jumping from midgets, wing cars, non-wing cars. And then he was a winner. He, He had 125 career wins and that's just, that's an, an amazing feat to get to all in itself. Oh, yeah. And it all but makes you think of if he didn't pass away at a young age, I wonder what he could have accomplished 
up till then. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So I, I have him at nine, and I'm sure it's probably got some people like, why would you put that guy in, in nine? Well, don't worry, because I got more. <laughs> <laughs> at at eight, I have Dick Gaines. Dick Gaines is in, from Mitchell, Indiana. Uh, probably one of the baddest dudes to ever sit in the wheel of a, or behind the wheel of an on-wing sprint car. I mean, he he's got a crap ton of wins, track championships. I mean, he's raced everything and anything. Um, he was the old school badass, a lot like AJ Foyt, but didn't get to make it to the highest level like AJ Foyt. Yes. And unfortunately, he was he was an older guy, so he he's no longer with us. But he was a He's a legend in Indiana sprint car racing. I mean, he's won little 500s. Um, he's won at the uh, Knoxville Super Modified Nationals. He's he's won the I think the little 500 twice, which all in itself that's amazing. That's a that's an amazing feat to accomplish in open wheel racing. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. And at Seven, I have Dave Darland, the people's champ. That's a good one. And and I I was tossing around a couple people to put there, and it was it was hard. the 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 list to put together is so hard because you have so many people to choose from. Mm-hmm. So many great race. Oh, it's drivers. tough, and, dude. And for Dave to suffer a stroke to sit out behind the wheel of a car, any car at this point for a year and a yeah. half and to come back and be, I'm not going to say as strong because I mean, he, there's going to be some rust involved, mm-hmm. but to definitely look like he ain't really missed a step is impressive all in itself. And yet again, it, he's a USAC midget champion, um, USAC silver crown champion, USAC National Sprint Car Series champion, Sprint Week championship. He he's won his dad's race, the Bob Darlin Memorial, which uh, I think is awesome. Um, he's in the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. He was inducted in '17 and still racing. Mm-hmm. So that in itself is is awesome. Yeah, definitely. And then and then then I get into the tricky part of my list here because it. it it started to get a little more difficult because it, I mean, just the people to choose from. This is probably the hardest list I've ever had to put together. Oh, yeah. At it's six, insane. I, at six. And I tried to keep it to where I didn't use many current drivers because there's some current drivers that I think that could be in the Spring Car Hall of Fame today. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard not to. And this guy... Donnie Schatz is six on my list. Yes. I mean, the, all of his accomplishments, whether it be all the wins he's got, World of Outlaw titles, is is impressive. I mean, he's got 300 wins, 10 championships. That, that all in itself, Donnie, you deserve to be on a, on a top 10 list. It don't matter if you're racing or you're retired. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely, dude. Definitely. He he is. Yeah. There's some people who will make the argument that he is the goat. Like I've heard that argument, and it's hard to argue. It is. It it it, it is. It's very hard to argue. Mm-hmm. But I I don't have him number one on my list for a reason. No. Oh, yeah. So, at five, I have Sammy Swindell. I had him lower, and then I got to looking at my list and was like, ah, he deserves to be higher. Yeah, he does. He, he, he's incredible. Exactly. Look at all the, all the wins he has. Mm-hmm. Chili Bull Midget Nationals winner. Yeah. Kings Royal, 360 Nationals. Um, the list goes on and on for Sammy, and for him to retire, to come out of retirement, to contemplate it again, to race part-time, and he's not lost a step. No, he hasn't. It's like, same old grumpy Sammy. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but next, next on my list, I have Jack Hewitt. Ooh, it's hard. Gotta love Jack. It's hard to put a top 10 list together and not put Jack Hewitt on your list. Because when when I think A.J. Foyt, I think of Jack Hewitt also. Yeah. He, he's he's another rough around the edges type of guy. And he, at his point in time, and when he was racing, he was racing everything. He was the Kyle Larson before Kyle Larson. He really was. He really was. You know, a, the, a lot of people... Um, Jack Hewitt's kind of like the the obscure unknown AJ AJ Foyt, right? Like everybody yeah. knows who AJ Foyt is, right? Like my mom knows who AJ Foyt is. She doesn't know anything about racing, right? But though you're those people are not going to know Jack Hewitt. You have to be either from the Midwest or a hardcore race fan to know who Jack Hewitt is, right? Unless you were around watching racing during that time. And he's in, like you said, he's incredible. Well, and 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 I took a lot of things in account for my list, whether it be wins, championships, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But the the guy won um, all in the same night, a USAC sprint car race, a USAC midget race, a USAC silver crown race, and a UMP modified feature. All in the same night. Which is insane when you think about it. Hard to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's hard to win one of them, let alone all of them. Yeah, exactly. And to go from three insanely driven open wheel cars to jump into a UMP modified that is 10 times harder to drive is just incredible. Oh, and yeah. He, he made a start in the Indy 500. He's an all-star circuit of champions. He, he's won the championship in 85. Mm-hmm. Won USAC championships, won a bunch of races. It's pretty popular on YouTube. There's a certain video that I won't get into, but yeah. it's funny. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> my it's favorite a classic. Quote, my favorite quote came from Jack Hewitt. And for the listeners, I highly recommend you, if you're over the age of 18, get on YouTube, search Jack Hewitt, and you'll see the video. Just watch it. It's incredible. He was the Tony Stewart before Tony Stewart. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now that I'm getting into my top three, coming in at three on my list was Steve Kenzer. 
It's Ooh. hard to not put Steve Kinzer on a top 10 list and not put him at close to the top. Because, I mean, he's got 20 championships in the World of Outlaws, a semi, multiple semi-truck fulls of wins. Yeah. Um, he raced the Outlaws before the Outlaws even had wings. Mm-hmm. And he was winning, and... He was a true badass back in the day. Yeah. Like him and just him and Sammy alone watching them two race. And I I didn't get to see a lot of it because the Outlaw Tour don't really travel through Indiana a lot. But being from Indiana and Steve's from Indiana, which he's only an hour and 45 minutes away from where I'm at. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not put him on a list. And, and and the same could be said about his brother. Yeah. I mean, the Kinsers are just a bunch of badasses, and fingers crossed that Craig gets there before he retires. Mm-hmm. Be tough to do. Yep. So before we started the podcast, we were talking, and after talking, I made an adjustment to my list. Okay. I had Kyle Larson put in. At two. Ooh. I removed Kyle Larson. Oh, really? Tony Stewart is second on my list. Oh, wow. I mean, he he's one in about anything and everything that you can think of. Was a badass dirt racer. And still is. I still think if he could compete full-time in the Outlaw Tour... I think he could compete, maybe not for a championship. But, but no, I definitely, definitely compete I for definitely, wins. Yes, consistently. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. I mean, he's he's won USAC championships. He's won the Triple Crown, multiple Chili Bowl wins, um, won the Turkey Bowl, or the Turkey, Turkey Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. And he followed the same steps as A.J. Foyt. Yep. Went to IndyCar, won that. Went to NASCAR, won that. Went back to dirt and continued to win. Yeah. Um. And and I put him at two because, not just because of his dirt racing accomplishments, but everything he does to give back to dirt racing. That in itself, I think, makes him bigger than what he really is. Because look what he's done to Eldora. Yes. Um. If it wasn't for Tony, NASCAR wouldn't be back on dirt. I mean, granted, they're screwing it up right now, but they are. For- but he's 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 a big advocate and a big promoter of it. He's one of the, you know, when you talk about the ties to the old school, even though he's not not like he's David Pearson, but he is that tie to that old school mentality. Right, right. Or you could go back and watch highlights of the Chili Bowl, and you'll see videos of Tony helping him work the track in when he's just there as a fan and a car mm-hmm. owner. Yep, and and all the give back that he gives back to the TQ midget guys here in Indiana, it's it's awesome. It's awesome that we have a guy that advocates dirt racing like Tony does, and he gives back to the grassroots guys. I I think that that was a deciding factor of putting him at two because I had him originally at nine, and I I was like, all right, I got to make some adjustments here. Unfortunately, Kyle, I had to kick you out of two. Once when you retire, we'll we'll readjust the list here. Yeah. Because 
I mean, let's face it, he's not done winning on dirt. No, he's not. So it's hard to put him on my list just because of that. Now, number one is going to either surprise some people or not. Um, I'm sure I'll get some funny looks for my number one, but my number one's Brian Clawson. Because everything he accomplished in a short span at a young age, and I feel as if he was, if he was still alive, the win totals would have continued to go up. The championships probably would have continued to go up. Uh, yeah, I can agree on that. He's incredible. He's incredible, dude. It's, yeah. it's, and, it's nuts. And, and just knowing him on a personal level and being around him and his dad and seeing how hard they worked, even when they were younger, when he was younger, just starting in sprint cars here, he worked his tail off to get where he was at before he passed away. Yeah. And he was taking the same steps as... Tony Stewart, AJ Foyt. I mean, granted, yeah, he didn't get a lot of luck that them guys got because, unfortunately, Chip Ganassi was about 14 steps behind everybody. Mm-hmm. And, they, and I think they stunted his growth in the stock car era. But, fortunately for Brian, he stepped back to dirt and he continued to dominate. Yeah. And, like I said, if he was still alive, I think we'd be having a different conversation between Kyle Larson and Brian. And not to mention that he Chili Bowl wins, Belleville Midget Nationals. He was non-wing driver of the year, sprint car champion, non-wing, silver crown. He was, a, I'd say at that time, he was probably the best midget racer in the country. Um, I could definitely agree on that. What he was doing in the midgets was, was insane. It really was. In... And the whole state of Indiana was behind him when he when he was going through the Indy 500 stuff. It was just incredible to sit back and watch and think, damn, I raced with him, and now look. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's my, that's my top ten. So the listeners, critique it. Yep. Let me know what I did wrong. All right. Tell so, me what you did so give me your list again. I just want to hear it again one more time. So I have A.J. Foyt coming in at ten. A.J. Foyt. Okay. Jesse Hockett at nine. Jesse Hockett. Dick Gaines. Dick Gaines. Dave Darland. Dave Darland. Donnie Schatz. Donnie Schatz. Sammy Swindell. Slamming Sammy. Jack Hewitt. Gotta love Jack. I mean, he's a character. (laughs) Yes, he is. He's also a phenomenal driver. And and imagine what... (laughs) Where his career could have went if he didn't have the health issues. Exactly. Um. So after Jack, it was Steve Kinzer. Steve Kinzer. Tony Stewart and BC. Tony Stewart and BC. Well, I'm happy to say that we have very different lists. So that's cool because it'll open up an interesting discussion. So before I give you my actual top 10, because I did go a little bit of a different route. I do have a couple of honorable mentions. So for me, my first honorable mention is Kyle Larson. Like you said, he's dude's phenomenal. If he was a full-time sprint car driver, it would be 
ridiculous. What he does in a sprint car is insane. Kyle Larson does not run the World of Outlaws full-time, and he's 25th all-time in wins on the Outlaw Tour. That's crazy, right? Insane. Like he, It's insane, right? <laughs> so, and when you look at, he's won the Kings Royal, the Knoxville Nationals. I mean, you know, we're not even talking about what he's done the in list the midgets. Goes on and, yeah, and on it's and insane. On. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, he's ridiculous. Um, Tony Stewart, I have also as a honorable mention. The only reason I don't have him on the list for the sprint cars specifically is because he yes he was phenomenal on uh, in the sprint cars but to me he was more of a just basically a dirt guy right like he's one of those just he's phenomenal and everything if he just ran sprint cars i would have him on my list right because his his numbers and ability and stuff like that would be insane but i just couldn't bump off these other guys because you know if we were doing just an all-time you know all-time dirt drivers he would be on there because i mean the man won the triple crown right like i mean let's just stop and think yeah. about that for a moment like it's hard exactly right how many people have done that you know what i mean Not very it, many exactly the list is extremely short so he's on there um i've actually got brad sweet as an honorable mention just because there's only three drivers who have three-peated the world of outlaws championships and it's brad sweet donnie shots and steve kinzer all right Two of those guys are, there's arguments that they're the greatest of all time. So when you're on that list and you are 11th all time in wins and you have 120 total wins in your career, um, you're already in rare air. And then I, oh, and then what? And not to mention that he wasn't even a a wing guy. Exactly. Exactly. You start looking at all this non-wing stuff. Oh my God. I remember when Casey Kane made the announcement that Brad Sweet was going wing racing. There was a lot of people laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Brad Sweet's laughing now. Exactly. Sorry, I didn't mean to butt in. No, you're good, <laughs> man. You're good. And I do have one last honorable mention, and this is for all my posse friends out there who are going to flip out because I don't have them have more of them on my list, but. I have Fred Raymer as an honorable mention because, you know, he he's he's got 11 World of Outlaw wins, but the man has 415 total sprint car wins and 25 track championships. Like when you talk about dominating your state, that's what he did. My grandpa, who was from Pittsburgh and was not a race fan, knew a Fred Raymer. So to me, like that's a qualifier. <laughs> so, yeah. If you're not a race fan and you know who the local the local track legend is, um you're a stud. All right, so those are some honorable mentions that I had to throw in there. Okay, now I'm my actual—I'm not gonna lie. I sat at work last night, probably for four hours. I, I had five different lists, and I would yeah. keep restarting. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard. Yeah, <laughs> every time I think I'd got it, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe I forgot this guy. You know, so yeah, and like I, it was tough. I hit a bump in the road, and it's like, oh no, I it was him. tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was tough, man. So, so my. Top 10, number 10, I've got Doug Wolfgang. And Doug Wolfgang was literally, he was, his end was kind of when I first started going to sprint car races and stuff. You know what I mean? I think his last year was 1990, 91, 92, something like that. You know, and I was only like seven, eight, nine years old at that time. And I remember a race that he was at. I want to say it was the first gold cup I had gone to 
and I, it had to be, it was like 1990 or 91. Um, and I just remember, I mean, as a kid, I was just like, that's a cool last name, but I just remember my friend's parents, right. Who had been, you know, they've been sprint car fans their whole life. The reverence that they had for Duff, Doug Wolfgang was insane. And then as I got older and I learned more about him and then started watching what he did and learned about his historical, you know, accomplishments, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. He had 140 outlaw wins, 37 all-star wins. He won the Knoxville nationals five times, the Kings Royal twice, and he had four seasons of 10 plus wins. All right. When you talk about running with the outlaws and the all-stars, that's insane, right? When you're double digit wins for four seasons, that's a big deal. Not to mention he had probably the greatest Knoxville nationals run ever that did not result in a win. And that was when he did the alphabet soup from the D main all the way up to the A main. And he finished, I want to say fifth. I think he finished fifth. Incredible. He passed like 57 cars total. I mean, it was, it was nuts. So imagine if they gave wins out for, if you pass most cars. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just incredible. So I have him at number 10, um, number nine, I've got Dave Darland. Uh, Dave Darland is, like you said, he's the people's champ. In the world of USAC, he's incredible. If this was a top 10 USAC list, he would probably be in the top three. Um, you oh, know, For as good as he is know. in the sprint car, his midget and silver crown accomplishments are, are just insane. But just when we look at the sprint car, he's got the championship. He won the championship in 99? or night was it I think it was 99 he won the championship in 99 or 98 but he is the winningest overall USAC sprint car driver with 62 wins which is incredible and then like he's like we said when you start looking at what he's done in the silver crown and the midgets it's just ridiculous and that was a hard thing yeah that was a hard thing because it's like how do you really classify a silver crown is that a sprint is that a big sprint car what what the hell is that you know what I mean so there was some of that stuff it was trying to trying to balance that when I was racing, we used to call them the big booty girls. There you go. That's what they are, man. So, big. Yep. That's what they are. So um, number eight on my list is one of my personal favorites, and that's Jack Hoddenshield. Um, you know, he never won an outlaw championship. He, Jack Hoddenshield happened to be racing um, in the era of, you know, Kenzer shots and, and swindell yeah um you know it's like those guys it's like charles barkley right he just happened to be playing during the era of michael jordan you know what i mean there's a lot of people that never won a championship because of michael jordan there's a lot of drivers out there that did not win an outlaw championship because of steve kenzer and donnie shots and todd and shields one of them but he has over 300 total wins 72 with the outlaws he won the mopar million which was incredible um, won the King's Royal three times. He won three gold cups, which is uh, obviously the biggest race out here. Um, I remember watching those races when he won. It was insane to watch. I mean, like I said, I, we talked about it when we did the episode on him. It's one of my fondest memories watching him just rip the top at Silver Dollar Speedway. There's no wall and he's just right on right on top of the track. And it was incredible. So to see him or to have, I got to have him on my list. He's also obviously in the hall of fame and he won the, what's that? What was that one? Uh, it was the big one, right? I think that's what it was called. The the yeah. big one, the historical big one. Yeah. So he won yeah. that as well. So he's number eight. Number seven is 
Mark Kinzer. Um, Mark Kinzer is... I like it. Yeah. Mark Kinzer, to me, is actually one of the... He's kind of one of the uh, what ifs of the outlaws, you know. I mean, he kind of kind of lost his way, got into you know had some problems there. But when Mark Kinzer was on, it was scary. Um, it really was, man. There was a, a you know a four year period there where he was freaking unbeatable, dude. I mean, obviously Carl Kinzer, you know, crew chief in the car, had a lot to do with that. But yep. he two time champion in the Outlaws, won the Knoxville Nationals three times. He won the Kings Royal, two hundred and three Outlaw wins, which puts him. I want to see if I get he's that's fourth all time. Um, he has over two hundred and fourteen podiums, which is insane. Insane. Yeah, you know, what I mean, and he won the Kings Royal. So yeah, Mark Kinzer's number seven. Number, um, you know. You oh, know why yeah. Steve and the, the Kinzer boys are so good, don't you? <laughs> From Carl? Indiana. <laughs> From Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that's true. Whatever whatever they're putting in the water, it certainly helped the well, Kinzers, man. I, unfortunately, I didn't get any of that water. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, if that was if, the, if it was just because of the water, I'd have crawled on my face uh, and drank from the fountain it. of youth a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right, where was I? Okay, number six. Number six, I've got the dude, Danny Lasoski. Another good one. Yeah, Lasoski is another guy that was, he was incredible. Um, That, in my opinion, doesn't get a lot of the credit I think he deserves. No, and he don't. He doesn't. And and I think a lot of it's because of the era that he came into. Yes, it is. Much like Jack Hoddenshield, Mm -hmm. he, he had the, I look at, don't take this the wrong way. Lasoski was the Dennis Rodman of the group. Yeah, he really was. Yep. But, I mean, there's a reason why he drove for Tony Stewart. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, he he was a phenomenal driver, man. Um, he was awesome. Yeah, he had a World of Outlaws championship. Um, he also had nine track championships. I mean, a lot of these guys have track championships from all over the country. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were winning all kinds of track championships before they ever went to the outlaws or the all-stars or USAC. Back in that day, that was prestigious all on its own. Oh yeah, definitely, man. A lot more then than it is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the track championship then took you places. Yes, it did. That was your springboard back then. Now it's like, if you're winning a track championship, it's like, why are you wasting your time at the local track? Why aren't you at one of these series? Yeah, exactly. And and not to get off the beaten path, but that's an argument I have all the time with a couple of people that I don't care how many track championships they've won in the past four years. Why aren't they on the big circuit now? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's because when they show up, they don't they don't compete because mm-hmm. the competition's stiffer. So yep. back back in the day, the track championship stuff was tough. Yeah, because, it was a I big mean, deal. It, yeah, competition at tracks back then were well, and terrible. it was it was yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, was, it was yeah yeah so so yeah so he had three hundred seventy five wins total 122 of them on the outlaws four knoxville national wins and he is also the winningest knoxville driver so and most wins at knoxville not to mention that he's a hell of a crew chief i'm sure yeah. brian brown's not being discouraged about no nope. no he's definitely good man definitely good so he's number six number five i've got sammy swindell so you know sammy swindell obviously I mean, he was the counterbalance to Steve Kinzer all those years. 
Um, won the championship three times in the Outlaws. Second all-time in wins with 394. Has actually won both the 360 and 410 Knoxville Nationals, which is really cool. And he won the Kings Royal three times. He also won the Chili Bowl four times. I know that's not a sprint car, but that's just incredible. If you've ever seen that race, to win it four times is insane. It's a big accomplishment. Yes, it's a huge <laughs> accomplishment. So yeah, I've got him at number four. Um or number five, excuse me. My number four driver was your number one. My number four driver is Brian Clawson. The reason why, and you might be wondering why I've got Clawson at number four, especially listing off all the, the stats and stuff that these other guys have had. To me, Brian Clawson is the Bo Jackson of racing, right? For those Absolutely. of you who are not me and Keith's age, maybe you're younger and you don't really know Bo Jackson. Go watch the ESPN documentary, the 30 for 30 on You Don't Know Bo. Bo Jackson was the most incredible athlete to ever step foot on a field. The man was insane. And unfortunately, he's also the greatest what if story of all time because he got, you know, hurt literally in his prime when he was 28 years old. And to me, Brian Clawson falls in that same category as, as a, as a driver, what he could do in the different disciplines was insane. And on dirt, he was so incredible and it was cut insanely short. And so it's one of the, to me, I've always said that I think he's the greatest what if story in dirt racing. And even in the little bit of time that he had, it was incredible. And the sprint cars alone, he had 41 wins in the USAC sprint cars. Okay. That's it, which is keep in mind, that's like, he's like fourth all time or something. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, it's incredible. And keep in mind, it was a short span. Yes. It was only, it was only a few years. And that's the thing. He had a two year run of sheer dominance. So when he won the, the USAC sprint car championship in 2012 and 2013, all right. Each season, he averaged 75 races each season. He averaged 14 wins, which is just under a 20% win rate. And he averaged 55 podiums. That is almost a 75% clip in terms of averaging. A, you're almost averaging a podium per race. That's insane. That's like, you know, Pedro Martinez Cy Young year, right? Like for those of you who are baseball fans, like that's what that is. Like it's, it's, you know, pick your sport, right? It's LeBron yeah. James in its prime, Michael Jordan, right? Whatever it is, Tiger Woods at his best. Like it's insane what he was doing. And that's just the sprint car, right? If you factor in what he was doing in the midgets and everything else, it was just incredible. And, and it just goes to show the legacy he had or IndyCar wouldn't have gave away the Brian Clawson trophy to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was something to do with the IndyCar race at Nashville. But anyway, they gave away Brian Clawson trophy. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, a, he was an incredible driver. So yeah, that's why I've got him so high is because he, his talent to me, Hard that's more of obviously his, his stats are there, but it's just more of a, the eye test, right? Like you could see that this guy's different and you knew he was going to be great. And, and, you know, and that's my favorite story to tell people is when I was just getting started in, it was like my third year in go-karts and Brian moved to Indiana and he was racing for the team that I just so happened to be racing go-karts for. And you could just tell he had a different aura about him mm -hmm. the first day he walked in the shop. 
Like I told my dad on the car ride home, I was like, yeah, that dude's going to be impressive. Give it yes. time. Yep. And, and people think that, oh man, he jumped right in that car and he did so good. Well, that's not the case. He struggled a yep. lot. Yep. And, yep. It, and it wasn't like he hit the ground running and started winning immediately. Mm-hmm. But when he started, he didn't stop. No, he did not. No, he did not. <laughs> he was he was insane, man. So, yeah, he's number four. Um, number three is Jack Hewitt. Um, I mean, we've already talked about Jack a lot. I, the dude was incredible. He two-time Silver Crown champ. He's fourth all-time in USAC Sprint Car wins with 46. He's fifth all-time in All-Star wins. He won the All-Star Championship. First ever driver to sweep the Four Crown Nationals. Um, he's one of those guys that you're not... The thing with Jack Hewitt is, and like we, we, we talked about this already, you're not going to see him with the you know insane numbers in one sp- specific series right he's not it's not going to be like oh he's got 500 wins in you know in the outlaws or whatever it is or he's got you know x amount of wins in in this series like he raced so much and did so many different things and was good in all of them like he was one of those guys where you could just be like hey man uh we're running the the sprint car over here at kokomo do you want to hop in and drive it and it's like sure and he uh, right now you are a contender you've got jack hewitt behind the wheel you are a contender like that's how good he was and so that's why i've got him number oh, three and that's why i said he was the kyle larson way yeah exactly kyle larson. exactly Just because i mean he could jump in he could jump in a power wheel mm-hmm. yeah and Yep. race the wheels off of it yep and he also and obviously this is not a sprint car but he also qualified for the indy 500 you know what i mean and ran what he run 12th 12th or 13th yeah 12th yeah you know which is incredible dude because he wasn't a freaking indy car driver you know I mean? so so that was yeah i mean jack hewitt he's uh, that's He's, he's one of my, yeah, he's one of my personal <laughs> favorites. He was, he's another one like Wolfgang that was, I, you know, was very young, but the reverence that people had for him. And he was someone I learned about more as I got older and went back and watched all of his stuff. And is just a huge fan. Um, number two, I've got Donnie shots. Uh, it's kind of hard to argue against Donnie shots. Like I said yeah. before, there's people out there who will tell you that Donnie Schatz is the goat. They will make the argument that that Schatz is the goat and that he raced against tougher competition. Like I said, that's all subjective. What we do know is the man is incredible. He is a 10-time outlaw champion. Like I said, he he is one of only three drivers to three-peat the outlaw championship. He has 432 total wins 300 of those are on the outlaw circuit right you're talking the best of the best in the wing world and he's got 300 of those wins um 918 podiums he's won the knoxville nationals 10 freaking times he won the Doty Classic three times. He's gotten the Don Martin Silver Cup. He's won the Gold Cup twice. He's got six national opens at Williams Grove. He, and he won the inaugural World Finals. And that's just a small sampling of everything that he's won. The dude's incredible. Um, he is just so good. Even today, right? He He's insane. He's still one of the cars that you always have, one of the drivers you always have to factor. Yes, he doesn't win as many races as he used to, but he is still phenomenal. And yeah, to me, he is obviously, uh, he's one of the greats when it comes to sprint car racing. He's insane. Number one, 
I've got Steve Kinzer. I know that that's like a chalk cliche choice, but for me, it's dude, the, the guy dominated, um, for so long and he dominated the premier series. Um, and it was just the run that he had was incredible. There's no other way to put it. And he did it across so many different years. You know, it, it's not like he came along and you can say, oh, well, he only did that when there was no competition. No, he did it in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the, the, the early 2000s, right? He's it, four decades, the guy was winning championships in the Outlaws. I'm sorry, you cannot tell me that he did it against no competition. He did it against all of them. A lot of these guys on this list, he raced against and beat. Many of the guys on this list don't have championships or don't have as many as they would have had because of Steve Kenser. So he was literally the man. They call him the king for a reason. He has literally won every major sprint car race that is out there. He's won it. He's been in over 3,000 races. He has 20 World of Outlaws champions. Chips, 690 World of Outlaws wins, over 1,400 podiums. His percentage in terms of podiums is 46%. That's almost half the races that he's been in. He won the Knoxville Nats 12 times and the Kings Royal seven times. And like I said, he's won every major sprint car race out there. Um, in my eyes, he is the GOAT in terms of sprint car racing. There is no one better in terms of just the, the sheer number. Yes, you can make the argument maybe later on down the line, like we said, Kyle Larson or Brad Sweet or even Donnie Schatz, right? Those guys keep building up and building up. We might be able to make the argument one day that they're better than him or have more talent or something like that. But just in what the man has accomplished and how good he was, I saw it with my own eyes for years when they would come out here on the West Coast. The dude was dominant. It was disgusting how good he was. And so, yeah, that's why I've got him at number one. I like it. All right. I like it too. I like your list too, man. I'm glad we had some different ones, dude. And, and you know, Oh, sorry. I didn't know. I was just going to say, Oh no, I was just going to say, cause it was tough. It was tough to come up with. It, it was really tough. Like I, I had some guys that I had penciled in. Then he raced them. Like one of them was Jason Leffler. Yes. I, I had Jason Leffler on one. I had Tracy Hines on another. Yeah, dude. Um, uh, uh, JJ Yaley's another on one, one yeah, that I, mean, I was thinking just, about. Yeah. Um, Bigelow's another one. I mean, there's just so many. Mm -hmm. Like I, I even had Levi Jones penciled in. Yeah, or think and, about Parnelli Jones, right? Or yeah. you know, you start talking about oh, a lot of the old school guys, dude. You know, it's 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 incredible. Um, the names that that we left off, you know, and that's why I I kind of gave the caveat before. It's like, look, man, there, here's the kind of guidelines that I was using because you could go on forever and ever and ever in terms of you know the best out there right yeah. you know and it's just the the number of guys who have accomplished stuff is incredible and let and that's why sprint car racing to me is so much well not just sprint car racing but dirt racing is so much fun because there are so many guys out there um and not so much it's not so much nowadays with social media and, and streaming and video everywhere right it's it's going to be hard you're hard pressed to, to have somebody who dominates now and is going to go unknown but think about, you know, back in the day, like I talked about one of the honorable mentors, Fred Raymer. I mean, how many people didn't even know of that dude because he right. was in Pennsylvania the whole time, right? So 
that's not going to happen now. But back then, that that stuff was commonplace. Yeah, yeah. And I would have had some more or some guys from PA on my list, but I didn't. I didn't grow up in Pennsylvania. I don't know much about the Pennsylvania racing scene. Yeah. I mean, being in, I'm going to say non-wing country. That that's predominantly what I know. Mm-hmm. And, and the Kensers, of course, because they're from Indiana. Or, yeah. And like Tony Stewart and AJ Foyt, it, it's all Indiana based. It's all home to me. And I mean, there's just so many. There's so many guys across the country that you could put on a top ten list, and nobody'd be like, "Oh, that's wrong." No, you're right. Absolutely, you're right, man. So, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll do we'll do some more top ten lists. I mean, I've already got more ideas for ones that we can do. So we'll definitely do some more. Yeah, I, I think that would be a good one too. Yeah, I want to do one for NASCAR. I do want to. I want to do one for. Um, a I want to do a USAC top ten also. Um, so midgets, you know, that'll be midget silver crown and sprint car. Uh, well, hell, even they ran stock cars back in the day too. So and oh, they, you know, they ran, car. they ran everything, yeah, any car. So uh, I want to do a USAC one too. So um, yeah, we'll do some more because yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And and then it just I just like talking about you know when we get to we get to look these guys up and and kind of remember all their stuff it's because it's really memory. yeah it does it, it's easy to forget about guys you know what i mean and forget about what they've accomplished right like most people you know if you didn't grow up watching the outlaws you know during the same time frame as me right to you you you're like danny lasoski who the hell's that like i didn't know that dude won that many times on the outlaw you know what i mean like there's a lot of people he, yeah he was a bad dude back mm-hmm. in the day yep so so yeah it was a lot of fun so we'll definitely do some more of those here in the future but we're going to wrap things up, but before we do, we do have an ask three wide question this week. Pretty quick one, which is why we'll throw it in real quick because we, me and Keith have been going here for, for more than an hour and a half already. But this one is from Alexander and pretty simple question. He said, hey, Keith and Tommy, love the show, but I got to ask, why is it called three wide in the middle? There's only two of you and it started with just you, Tommy, which if I'm correct, according to my math, that's just one, not three. So what's the name mean? <laughs> is it some kind of future pr- future proofing in case you guys get a third or am I missing something? Love the show. Thanks. All right. So this, um, this now, Keith, do you know the story of how the show got the name? Have I ever yeah. told you this story? Okay. So the, the reason that the show got the name is it, it's a there's a story behind it right it's not it has nothing to do with the number of people or anything like that okay so initially it was about a year ago um i was talking about starting a podcast at that time my sim racing business had been going about nine months ten months and was you know doing well enough to where i was actually starting to spend more time doing that than my actual day job right i was actually transitioning to to working primarily for myself and one of the things that i wanted to do was a podcast and i had some ideas in the beginning for what i wanted to do as a podcast you know one of them was in the beginning i was like well maybe i'll do kind of like an esports podcast where i'll talk about all esports and that includes sim racing. But then I was kind of like, yeah, but I don't really want to be talking about, you know, the Fortnite world championships or what, you know, <laughs> what Tim, the tat man did with Dr. Disrespect and call of duty, right? Like, I'm like, I don't really want to talk about that. So 
I'm not going to do that. And so then it was like, well, maybe I can do a racing pod, right? And I was like, I can do a racing pod and I can talk about real life racing because I mean, I love that. And all of us who do sim racing love real life racing. And I can kind of just sprinkle some sim racing in here and there, right? Because the majority of my community is it's it's their sim racers right but they also enjoy real life racing and so i wanted to have something that would appeal to the community as a whole and so i was like that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a racing pod and the pod was initially gonna be called um i think the first name was the dirt and i was actually just gonna be talking about dirt racing just dirt racing And when I started looking into doing that more and more, I was like, God, you know, if I do that, I'm going to be spending just a lot of time talking about, you know, kind of the same dirt series, which isn't a bad thing, right? Like I don't mind talking, you know, World of Outlaws sprint cars or all stars or USAC or, you know, late models, that type of thing. I'm like, but I would need to actually be following more dirt series, right? I would need to get into super dirt car series and, and dirt car series with the UMP modified. Like I would want to have to expand it, right? Because I can't just talk about wing sprints and USAC sprints each week, you know, or twice a week. Cause the show was actually twice a week when it first started. So it was like, all right, well, we're not going to call it that, you know? And so I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to call it. You know, I couldn't figure it out. So then I came up with behind the wheel. That was going to be the name of it. And I had mentioned this on one of my live streams, I had said, yeah, the pod's going to be called Behind the Wheel, and it'll be coming out here in a couple of weeks. Well, as always, something happened. I can't remember what happened or what came up. And the pod did not, I did not record the first episode when I was supposed to. Um, And it got pushed back like two months. Well, during that two months, like two to three months, because it was a while, that, you know, the pod didn't come out, I would have these live streams and I was live streaming like three nights a week. And I'm during these live streams, I'm sim racing in my league. And I had a stretch for about eight or nine weeks, literally in a row where I would be doing my live stream and there would be people in the live stream and they would ask me, Hey man, when's the pod coming out? When, when can I find behind the wheel on Spotify? And I'd be like, dude, it's coming. I'm I'm telling you it's coming soon. It's coming soon. I just haven't had a chance. I haven't had a chance. And all the time that this is happening, literally every race, I am ending up in a situation where I was running on the track three wide in the middle where my spotter would say three wide, you're in the middle became a running joke. If you actually go to my YouTube channel and look up those streams from last summer, you'll know what I'm talking. You'll you'll see it. I mean, it was like clockwork. It got to the point to where every time my spotter would say three wide, I would finish it and say, I know I'm in the middle. Like that. that's how often it happened. And so I said one time that I was going to do a t-shirt for my business that said on the front, three wide. And then in the back said in the middle. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to name the podcast three wide in the middle. And so that was how the name came about. It was not because there was going to be three of us. <laughs> there, there was never going to be three people. I, I never intended on even having a second person. Um, I 
the the way that Keith happened for those of you guys remember I started out doing it by myself and me I brought Keith on as a guest and it was so much fun I didn't I just didn't realize how much more fun it was with somebody else because I'd always done podcasts by myself and so that was when it was like all right well I'm gonna do this with Keith so yeah that was where the name came from it was a literally a a running joke on my live streams three wide in the middle and so that was how we came up with the name Alex, Alexander. I'm sure I don't, I don't want to call you Alex because you, you labeled it Alexander. So, so yeah, that was how we got the name three wide in the middle. All right. So yes, there are two of us. We are, if, <laughs> there's not three. Um, but eventually one day we will have guests on here. You know, we will have guests on here one day. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, in, in the nearer future, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, Maybe by the end of this year, we'll start having guests on here because that would be that would be cool to have guests. Um, I know, I know Keith's got a lot of connections and stuff like that, and you know we want to make sure that we got things tightened up and dialed in before we start bringing people on here because we don't want to bring people on here and then you know take a dump, look like crap. So, but yeah, anyways, that's how the show got its name. All right. So, yep, that's it. Yeah, that's the only one. So yeah. So thank you very much for the email. If you guys want to email us, um, ask us a question, or if you want to critique us on our top 10 list, or maybe yeah, you've got ideas. Yeah, or if you've got I ideas. I want to hear your list. Mm-hmm. If you've got ideas for lists, yeah, or you've got your top 10 sprint car list, send it to us. I'll love to check them out. Um, I really would. I would appreciate it. But yeah, that's going to do it all for today. I think this might be the longest longest podcast we've ever done i'm not complaining (laughs) me neither it was a lot of fun man (laughs) it was a lot of fun so that'll do it all of you guys out there have an awesome memorial weekend stay safe be smart don't don't do nothing dumb don't drink and drive or anything like that i know i don't i sound like your mom or your dad but just have a safe weekend it's not worth it yeah exactly have a safe weekend have a lot of fun and enjoy the racing hopefully it'll be an awesome weekend of racing oh that'll do it keith have a good one, my man. Thanks, you yep. too. Yep, and I will talk to everybody next week along with along with you. And as always, you guys, remember, share, like, comment, all that good stuff. Do all that for us. We'll be back next week. And until then, as always, take care. Mm-hmm.